team every week, so I can be quite um, blasé about it. But when I'm in the congregation and I see how good they are leading us in worship, how yeah. bring us into the presence of God, it's something that we can't take for granted. It's something that we really have to learn to um, know how it really impacts and yeah. builds our lives. And um, So thank you, team, once again. Um, I've got a little confession to make, right? I've got a little bit of a cold. <laughs> That's what my brother called it. My brother called it man flu. I have a bit of a cold. But then I was really encouraged in the songs that even though my voice may crackle at times, it's almost like my voice is breaking again. You know, God can use anyone. God can use anyone. And it doesn't matter what physical ailments you think you have. It's not bigger than the grace of God. Nothing in your life, any limitation, is bigger than the grace of God. And with that being said, you know, this series we're doing, Lift the Lid, it's about us being a little audacious. Being audacious with those, against those things that we were so used to having, so used to living with. But God's calling us to lift the lid. And First Fruits comes up, I challenge you to be a bit audacious. Pray for those things that you, thought, you think are outside your remit. You think are outside the possibilities. And the good news is we can do this because we serve a God of the impossible. So we're in this series, Lift the Lid, and it's really about exploring these previously unexplored areas about lifting the capacities of our lives and we're talking from Isaiah 54 and it's a it's a prophecy to the the nation of Israel and they're in a state of captivity based on their choices and how they've moved away from God and now God is really beginning to bring something back an identity back to them and it says in 54 in verse 1 it says here I'm reading from the new King James it says here sing O barren You who have not borne, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations. The message paraphrase says, take over the nations. You will take over the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will, and this is verse 4, for you will not be put to shame, for you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. In verse 5, for your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called God of the whole earth. God of the whole earth. And that's a God that we talked about. That's a God we sing about. That's a God we have relationship with. And the title of my message, in fact, it's not just a message, it's more of a mandate. If you're here in the house and you are, you are a Christian, you're a believer, This is a mandate for your life. This is a mandate. And if you're not a believer in this place, it's an invitation to a life of authority, a life of taking ground, a life of moving the ball forward, and not a life of restriction, but a life of unrestraint, of unhinged and unbridled success. And my message is this, is time to take over. It's our time to take over. And just out of interest, how many people here are the youngest out of your brothers and sisters? 
Okay. Uh, that's cool. All right, so we're, we can connect here. So, um, <laughs> so how many have you have oh, just older brothers? Only older brothers. Okay. Right. You, your older brothers may not be like mine. Um, I'm the youngest by about five years. And uh, so they were a lot stronger than me, but they were also very cunning. They were intelligent, so they, they, they could be supervillains if they so chose. And a lot of times I certainly did um, think they were. But if you, if you have any play fights with younger kids, there's a few dynamics that I guess you might be aware of. Um, but, but I guess my brothers didn't always do this. There's, the first one is you have to be engaged enough to make it seem like you're having a good time, like you're enjoying yourself. <laughs> you have to also moderate what you do so not to cause bodily harm. And more importantly, which makes it fun for the weaker one, you have to make sure you make, give them the illusion they might have the upper hand. <laughs> so you have to do all those things at the same time to make the kid not feel like they're just like being downtrodden all the time. So, so uh, my brothers used to do this with me, and the less violent games we'd play, we would like see who's faster, we would, we would have a race, and uh, I was about uh, four or five, and my brother William, we were, we were all in London visiting family, and uh, we were waiting for people to leave this house, and we were outside these tenement buildings where, you, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but they, there's like a... Um, balcony thing which leads to all the sort of outside the doors and then you're looking over the car park so then my, me and my brother William were just waiting for everyone to leave um, the apartment before going somewhere else and so then we decided to have a race and, and I'm in the inside um, lane and he's in the outside lane and, then, and I'm running my heart out and then I look to the side and, 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 he's, and I find that it's neck and neck like, this is on. Like, I can beat him. This is like a world record, a four-year-old being a nine-year-old. This, I'm going to be in the news, right? So, so, we're, so we're racing, and I'm looking at him, and I'm smiling and grinning away, and he's grinning back at me, and then all of a sudden, smack, and then I fall to the ground. I black out. Do, do you remember this? Yeah, because I'm glad you do, because I'm a, my head is a bit hazy, so... So afterwards, I'm, I'm coming to, and, and I look, and... Uh, basically, I'm looking at a bathtub filling with blood. What happened was I, I ended up gashing my head open on this, like, this grating that was affixed to the wall, and I still have the scar to this day. So that was something that wasn't so violent, which ended in bloodshed. <laughs> but uh, some of you may know um, my brother Chris. He was, um, he was also here for my wedding, but he used to come to this church. And he used to come to this church and. But the way he would race was slightly different. He wanted to challenge himself. So what he would do is he would give me a head start. He would say, okay, Charles, you go and run, and then I'll give you a head start, and then you can just, then I'll see if I can beat you. Some of the times he did, but other times he was just a bit generous. So, um, so I'm just like sort of jogging, because if he's giving you a head start, why would you waste your energy? So I'm just like <laughs> taking my time, looking back about 50 yards. He hasn't moved, 100 yards, he hasn't moved. I look back again, and he just takes off like a rocket. And I just like, and then I, and then I start to run, and he's, he's beginning to close the gap. And my brother's quick. If, um, if any of you um, remember the championship manager, football manager games, back in the day, he was actually in the games. So he was actually in them. But I won't tell you how good he was, but um, he loved the games, but he wouldn't buy himself. I'll just say that. So my, so my brothers... My brothers would play these games with me because they knew that they were stronger than me. They knew that they were faster than me. And a lot of times in our lives, we can get used to things being stronger than us. Times that come into our, things that happen to us, overwhelm us, catch us by surprise. 
And then we think we're always going to be in that state. You know, sickness comes upon you and you lose a lot of time off work. You know, these unplanned, these lightning bolts of life come hit our lives and we think that they're just going to beat us. We can't live with any sense of authority. And sometimes our past tries to get in the way of our future. So we know what I'm talking about, where things that we've done in the past seem to creep up again and again in our everyday one time I was having a, I was just walking to work and I had a flashback of a time I was in university and it was, it was a sexual encounter I had when I was 18. And then, and I'm, at this point I'm about 24 and then I had this flashback and the, the vivid memories came back to me and the feelings of the guilt and the shame that went along with it. And then it was just, it was like a bullet it happened so fast. And then I just remembered crying and it's like, God, I didn't want to do that. God, I'm sorry. And I was just going in through those motions of feeling the shame. Mm-hmm. Then God began to comfort me. He began to say, that's not who you are. Yeah. What happened to you doesn't make an impact on my identity for you. Yeah. Yeah. So then I got to having this realization that as long as we don't play with our past, they won't poison our future. As long as we leave the past in the past, then it does not get in the way of our future. And some of us have tales of woes. I mean, uh, I got an email this week from Netflix and they said, Charles, here's a TV program that's new to Netflix you might be interested in. A series of unfortunate events. I was like, well, I'd rather not watch that, but, but here's the thing. Things happen to us, right? But our lives are more than just a series of unfortunate events. When you're in Christ, when you have Christ Jesus, your life is not a series of unfortunate events. It's actually a series of miracles for for you to come into a relationship with him, for him to see and expand the borders of your lives to see that whatever you think is impossible is not impossible with God. You can go go before any obstacle you face and know that he's graced you for the journey. He'll actually bring you through and you'll be stronger on the other side. But we have to lift the lid of our expectancy. We have to lift the lid of our fear. We have to lift the lid of those, of those powerful forces that we think are, not, are more powerful than the cross of Christ. There's nothing more powerful than the name of Jesus like we sung. There's nothing more powerful than the grace of God in your life and the forgiveness that is granted to you so you can walk this life. It's time to lift the lid. It's time to take over those things that we thought have dominion over us. But we are people of Christ. We are children of God. And this is an opportunity for you to come into to alignment with who God says you are. It's time to take over. It's time to take over. And we take over these, these places we think we can't inhabit by honoring what we can't yet see. But as a brand new believer, um, about six years ago, I was visiting Hillsong London and Gary Clark was preaching this message about honoring the unseen. And it just it just flagged up alarm bells in my mind because how can you honor something you don't actually see? Yeah. I mean, if something's honorable, that means it's honorable, right? <laughs> Why? How can, you, how can you actually come into alignment with something you, don't, you can't actually perceive? Yeah. And, it's, and it's funny because uh, Thomas in Scripture, he had the same perspective for a while. He's now known as Doubting Thomas. Yeah. And... And if you, if you don't know the, the story, what happens in John 20, he's, he's, uh, Jesus is raised and resurrected and he meets with the other disciples. And for some reason, Thomas isn't there. 
I don't know if he was trying to find like chicken or whatever in the streets because he was sick of eating bread and fish. Who knows? <laughs> but um, but he, was, he wasn't with the other guys. And then the other guys said to him, we've just, we've just seen Jesus again. And he said, unless I can put my finger in the print of his nails, unless I can put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Yeah. Then eight days later, Jesus appears with them. And then he says, peace be with you. And he says, Thomas, put your finger here, put your finger here. And then Thomas comes to himself and says, my Lord and my God. And then, and then Jesus says, you now believe because you have seen. But blessed are those who have not seen, but yet believe. Honor what you don't yet see. And it can be hard in our lives because what we see around us doesn't match up with the promises we're actually afforded. The promises on our lives don't always look like, you know, we've received them in a dream. It doesn't always come like that. It comes in problem-shaped clothing sometimes. When we honor the unseen, this is what happens. Whatever you honor, you elevate in status. Whatever you elevate, you gravitate towards. You're far more likely to get to your vision. You're far more likely to get to your goal if you honor that, which is at the end of what you don't yet see. Pastor Kevin spoke this morning about, about these things that are they're inconvenient. We have to tear up some things sometimes in order to build and to um, take new ground. We have to break up foul ground. We have to break up things that were previously built there. But you'll always go through it because you see the end product. You, when an when a artist is, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, if an artist is painting a picture, they'll always, they always see they have the end product in mind, which actually guides their brushstrokes brush as they go. They see the end product in mind. And there's a lot of studies that have been done um, to this effect where people that are in church and come to church every week tend to live life longer than those who don't. Something about, about 10 years, something like that, that's a difference. And there's a truth. Because most people in church live with eternity in mind. Yeah. They live with purpose. They live yeah. with vision. Yeah. They live yeah. with wisdom. Yeah. And because the people who have eternity in mind are far better equipped to deal with the here and now. Yeah. Far better equipped to take the new ground. Far better equipped to go beyond those restrictions, which everyone thinks is the same old, same old. But they know there's a higher God. They know there's a higher power. They know that he that is in them is greater than he who's in the world. Yeah. So they can step ahead. They can step out because they have the they, they honor the spiritual they honor the supernatural they honor eternity yeah. and that's why they live longer and we have in our scriptures in verse 3 it says here for you shall expand sorry i'll just read from the start yes yeah, so you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations so you don't see your, your descendants sometimes but when we honor what we don't yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah. That's when we live for that that we don't see and we actually make better decisions now. Right. The, way I live, the way I live now will impact my grandkids. Yeah. 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 When we live with that in mind, we'll be far better equipped to deal with what we're going through now. And so your descendants will inherit the nations and will make the de- desolate cities inhabited. The cities that have no life mm. will have life. Mm. It's a very thumbprint of God. It's the very idea of God. That's what he does. He brings dead things to life. He doesn't make bad things good. He brings dead things alive. Dreams that you think are dead, he brings alive. Those, those ambitions you think are just out of the question, he actually brings 
alive. That's what God does. But sometimes Doubting Thomas likes to creep in with a, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, let's read on. In verse 4, it says here, Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame, for you will forget. Everyone say forget. Forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. See this word forget, you know, I've got a bit of a cold so I can't pronounce this word. But basically sometimes in the Hebrew, right, you kind of have to say it like you've got fishbone stuck in your throat. So this word, um, I'm just going to say it's shakak, it's, it's pronounced differently but I'm not going to do that. Um, so it basically means to forget, to wither, or to ignore. To forget, to ignore, or to wither. So whatever happened in your past begins to wither. When you begin to focus on God, when you begin to look to those things you don't yet see, what you do see begins to wither. It loses its strength. Now this is where some people get confused. Just because you remember like an offense, just because you remember something, it doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven. Memory is not, it's not the same thing. The difference is the weight in which the offense carries. Yeah. Yeah. It's the difference is the way you feel constricted, like you, when people go into sensitive areas. And ignoring it doesn't mean that it's being forgiven. Yeah. It's because forgiveness passes, takes the weight off the offense. Yeah. So it begins to wither, it begins to lose its luster. Yeah. When, you, when you look to God, your old, your former life begins to lose its allure. You don't want to do those things anymore. You don't live in those restrictions under those lids before. And then you'll be able to look forward and take the ground because we look to what we don't yet see. And that's when we inherit the promises. But how many people know elephants don't forget? <laughs> and there's accounts where circus elephants and um, zoo elephants um, can be like five plus tons, right? But they're held by a comparatively really small clamp and chain and stake in the ground and they won't ever try to break free and here's why because when they were yay big well she says yay anymore but um (laughs) they were like this big and they were only little they're only very weak but whenever they tried to wander whenever they saw something in the distance they wanted to get to they would have memories of them trying to break the chain and the chain remaining they would remember they'd get a certain distance and then they'd have to stop and then when they tried to pull against it, they remembered the pain of the cuff on their ankle. And then, then they remember that since this was stronger than me, since this hurt me, I cannot go any further. Yeah. That memory stays into the, their future and then it inhabits their mind for the rest of their lives. Yeah. They are bound, not by a chain, but by a belief. Yeah. But we are different. In this house, we are different. When we have the Spirit of God, we have something that doesn't testify the way the things of the world testifies. We actually have something greater in us. 1 John 4 and 4 says this. It says here, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. What are those things? Those things, those lies, those beliefs, those spiritual forces that try to invade our lives and constrict us. Those things, because, get this, He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. If you want a picture image of that, 
just remember the film The Matrix. I caught so many films and TV shows. It's like, does he even read the Bible? <laughs> I, mean, I do, right? Eventually. <laughs> but, but The Matrix, the Wachovi brothers thought they were making a film, but they're actually being used to preach the gospel. What happened was Thomas Anderson was in this computer world, dream world, and then he was rescued by Morpheus and his team, and then he gets unplugged from the system. When the Bible talks about world, it's talking about this. It's talking about the world and its systems and the people subject under the system. Yeah. Yeah. So then when, when, Thomas, when Thomas Anderson would then jack into the matrix, he's no longer Thomas Anderson. He's no longer under the same rules. He's no, no longer under the same restrictions. He can stop bullets and do other things that like, nobody else in the world can do because greater is in him and he was subject to that world. He wasn't a part of the, He wasn't bound by the same world and so he used his strength to actually overcome the people that were trying to oppress people in that system. He was saved from that world and now he operates in something completely different. And then he refers to himself as Neo. Everyone calls him Neo, which, is, which means new. And you mix the letters around, it also means one as well. I'll just, I'll just let it sit there, okay. And so, so he is the one. Because greater than, is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So whatever restrictions you see in your life, whatever problems you think are bigger than you, remember greater is he that's in you than he who's in the world. Remember what you've been saved to yeah. is far stronger yes. than what you, you feel you have to run from. Yeah. You won't have to run from problems when you know who's in you. You can face them because problems are the part of the process that God used to prosper you. Yeah. And that's, that's not easy to swallow sometimes. But to take over these domains that we think are out of reach, to take over these parts of our lives we feel are dangerous territory we have to see what we don't yet see see the finished product see the provision for the journey see the grace for any interaction you have for god's grace is greater in your lives but to honor that to get close to that whatever you honor you elevate you you gravitate towards you whatever you place value on you place value on the mission you place value on your your career you'll go towards that if you place value in the promise of god you'll actually inherit them you'll inherit them and you will go through problems you'll go through battles and here's the good news that taking over is the is a realization that the battle has already been won it's already been won. So you don't have to play the limitation game. It's already been won. I'm, I'm going through a little uh, fast right now. And, uh, and I thought it was going to be hard because and people talk to me like it's going to be hard because they know me. Um, they know I eat a lot. And if I were left to my own devices, I could eat my body weight. Um, and, and so... So then people would say, oh, I can't, should I eat this around you? This feels cruel, should I? But, but from the first day I did it, I realized that it wasn't hard. And it's because I wasn't playing that game. I wasn't playing the limitation game. I wasn't playing the, oh, I have to abstain from this. And, oh, I'm walking past Nando's. Oh, no, don't look at it. Oh, don't even smell it. You know, <laughs> I, I wasn't playing those games. I really believed that I, I could do this because God said I can do it. It's born of God, so I'm not playing the game of 
trying to abstain from certain things. Colossians would tell us that um, it would tell us that these things may seem wise because they require strong, um, pious self-denial and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help for conquering evil desires. Mm. So if you play that game, you're you're better off even not fasting. You're better off not doing that. It's a different game. 1 John 5 and 5 says that for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith. Now faith is not just belief. It's not limited to belief. Faith is supernatural. Faith is an assurance. It's not just an assurance or belief. It's actually a knowledge. Because you can believe something that's not true. But faith is always true. Faith and walking in faith is the process of actually understanding and knowing what God has made available to you. It's our relationship with him. And in faith, when you walk in relationship, you'll know what God has put in front of you, what God is calling you to, and what's actually true and genuine. Because it's out of a revelation of him and what he's granting you. In verse 5 in um, Isaiah 54, um, it says this. It says, for your maker... Is your husband, i.e. one who's joined to you by covenant. The Lord of hosts is his name and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. Now the thing about covenant is in marriage, it's two becoming one. What is available to one party is available to the other. Two mutually committed people then begin to share resource. They begin to share a life. When you're in a covenant relationship with God, you begin to share a life. Everything that is God's is now yours. Everything that he has put in this earth can be yours. It's original mandate from Genesis, be fruitful and multiply, overcome the earth and subdue it. Being in relationship with God is is coming back to that original creation. Seeing that you are born for more. You don't have to remember the reproach of your widowhood. Those times where you feel separated, feel feel desolate. You can actually be partnered with the very miracle maker. You can be partnered with God who can take you through any storm, any high water, or anything that you can come through. Because it's a relationship with God that sees us through the storms. It's a relationship with God that actually brings us to a place where we actually overcome and we're not taken over. We can take over those places. We can enlarge our territories. Why? Because God is God of the whole earth and God is living in us. So he is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And if he has given you the world, then you can go and overcome the world. You can go into tomorrow saying that my job isn't bigger than me. The things I have to do on Tuesday are not bigger than my capacity. The people I struggle with in relationship are not bigger than me. Why? Because God is a God of ever exceeding glory, ever exceeding power, and his grace is sufficient for me. I can do all things because it's him that does it in me. For he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. And whatever past you have, it does not have any bearing, anything to say against the cross of Christ. For the name of Jesus is powerful. For he has no rival. He has no equal. Now and forever he reigns. What a powerful name it is. By the name of Jesus, we overcome. 
by the name of Jesus, we take ground. For he is our redeemer. Those things that we can never pay back, never undo. We can't undo the things in our past, but he redeems it. He purchases it with his blood. His cross is the the glaring acknowledgement saying that they need help. They need to come back to me. And he died so that we can come to him. Everything that we do is, it's like, it's, it's like if um, you're playing pool with someone and they pot the black ball. You know you've won the game. So everything you do is just time. But when, when we're in Jesus Christ, we know that he's already won victory. Yeah. We can already live in that promise. We can already live in that place. We just have to step out of the familiar, step out of the servitude, and know that we have a dominion to take. Yeah. We have places to occupy so we can move forward from this place because greater is he that is in us yeah. and he that is in the world. Any reproach, anything that comes against you, anything that lies to you saying how good you are, how valuable you are. Just know that when Jesus purchased you, he negates any debate about the worth. Because once something's been bought, how can anyone debate its value? You are bought by the blood of God. You are bought into a relationship with him. He is now yours. You are now his. You share his life. And we're going to close soon if the case can come up. You share a life. You share a destiny. One of the songs we sang said that he didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. In your lives, in your 2017, let's lift the lid. Let's understand that God has given you permission to make heaven a reality on earth. God has given you permission to take those places that will cause onlookers to say, how is that possible? And do you know what? That's the point. Because there's there's certain things that only God can do. And he's going to use you and your lives to reflect his glory. It's all for his glory. Everything will down to his glory. Things you struggle with now, they won't be in anything, they're not even worth mentioning compared to the glory that is awaiting us in the promise of Jesus. And we know what's ours is because we're in relationship. Since I'm married now, there's nothing that's only mine. <laughs> But, but when you're in a relationship, a covenant relationship with God, there's nothing that is only His. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed are for us and our children forever. It also says that it's a joy for Him to reveal things to His, his prophets. It's a joy for God to lead us in ways where we discover more about Him. You can never get to the end of God. You can never get to the end of your pastures. While you're here on earth, you have lands to conquer. You have people to reach. You have jobs to overtake. You have companies to, 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 to raise up because of it's not, it's not about the, the skill of making finance. It's about the glory of God and wise decision making partnered with Jesus, partnered with the Holy Spirit. It's that's what actually makes us shine out for we are a city on a hill. 
And it can't be hidden because it's too good to be hidden. We're going to stand to her. We're going to stand to her feet now.